In the name of the true and living God, amen. Please be seated. Ever since the fourth century, the church has recognized one day in the year that was called All Saints Day. And ever since the ninth century, that day has been on the first of November every year around the world. And in England, the old English word for all saints is all hallows. It's a word that we don't really use commonly in English anymore, but if you ever say the Lord's Prayer and you say, hallowed be thy name, you're saying, holy be thy name. And the saints, the hallows, are the holy ones. Same root as the word halo, even. And in fact, the night before All Saints, the night before All Hallows is All Hallows Eve, which we call Halloween. And you may not know this, but there was even a season, a three-day church season called All Hallow Tide, where um, All Hallow Tide has no spaces between the words, just one word, and it's from Halloween to All Hallows to All Souls the next day. And of course, on All Hallows, that's the day when we remember as a church those people who were known to be holy, who had been heroes of the faith. And then the next day is All Souls, where we remember those whom we have known, who've gone before, whom we love but see no longer. And so um, I'm thinking about this this year, Halloween, as it came around um, to us in our neighborhood, and how much the holiday has come from where it started. To remember that it started in the church, but I, I don't know what your neighborhoods were like in our particular neighborhood. People really went crazy this year. Um, there were, I'm the one who walks the dog late at night, so I get to survey all of the homes around. And there were skeletons climbing up the walls of some of our neighbors' places. There was a, a set with skeletons playing baseball with each other. And one, one neighbor, uh, actually a couple neighbors, had full graveyards in their front yards. Um, there was no smoke machine, but it was almost on that level. And I saw something uh, just a couple days ago, a car on the street, which uh, I couldn't believe, I will never forget, it was actually bringing Halloween and Christmas together. It was a white car that had red paint that looked like blood splattered all across, and then Christmas bows all on top of the car. <laughs> so incredibly though, if we think about it, there still is a thread there still is a connection with what Halloween has become from where it started. And what I believe that thread is, is it is still a meditation on the reality of death, that we are facing death in our mortal lives. Down deep, I believe that the gory costumes and the decorations and the props and the painting cars with blood it's about facing our fear of death and mocking it. And when we laugh in the face of death, we take power away from this thing that so many people do fear. But I think it is healthier for us to stand on the mysterious threshold of life and death, not with fear, but with awe. We don't know exactly what is beyond the grave. Jesus refused to give any straight answers on it when he was asked. But we are promised that our lives will be changed, not ended. That the seeds that we plant today will reach their greater purpose in the fullness of time. 
in the Beatitudes, in Luke's version of the Beatitudes that we just heard in the gospel, interestingly, Jesus uses the word now, speaking about time. He says, blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Jesus says that there is a future of hope and fulfillment by which the world will be made right. Our fear of death leads to a fear of being able to truly live sometimes. Forty years ago, William Sloan Coffin observed this fear, and what he said, these words, feel even more true today. He wrote, Today we are as fearful of living as we are from dying. That is, of thinking boldly, caring deeply, and loving passionately. And when we see someone who is truly alive, our instinct is not to emulate his life, but to take it from him. Never would we have crucified the best among us had we not first crucified the best within us. Unfortunately, it is a proven fact that fear sells. I don't need to remind you that we are in a campaign cycle right now, and the tone of fear has been ratcheted up. Our fear of each other in this country is making it impossible for us to see one another with clear eyes anymore. The messages are making people out to be almost literally monsters to one another. And this rhetoric of contagious fear is creating actual monstrous impulses in our midst. We are moving past a time that could be described by FDR's famous phrase, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And so the answer to living a life even in the midst of death, the answer to preserving what is good and hopeful about our country, especially during this election year, the answer to walking the Christian walk like the saints who have gone before us, it is to live in love rather than to live in fear. It is an easier thing to say than to do, but we have those who have gone before us, who have faced down fear and shown us that it is possible. One of those saints who was a light in his generation was Martin Luther King. And in a sermon in 1957, he reflected on the challenge that Jesus asks us in today's very gospel when Jesus asks us to love our enemies. Jesus says, I say to you that, listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. And I should add, and I think this is within the spirit of what Jesus meant, when you pray for those who abuse you, you can pray for their hearts to be turned. And that is a loving prayer for them and for you. Dr. King said that the love which Jesus speaks about is not just any kind of love, but it is agape love, which is the Greek word for a love that is selfless, that is self-giving love. Dr. King said, it is a love that seeks nothing in return. It is an overflowing love 
It is what theologians would call the love of God working in the lives of men. And when you rise to love on this level, you begin to love men not because they are likable, but because God loves them. You look at every man and you love him because you know God loves him. That's the key part. St. Paul says that love never fails, that love never ends, but we know we fail sometimes. We know that we will end, but love doesn't. The love of God does not end or fail, and if we choose, we can walk in that love. Today we will celebrate three baptisms, and a baptism is about rebirth, a new beginning, a hope. Theologically, it is dying to death and being born to what is above, being born to what will never die. It is replacing the curse of fear with the gift of life that really is life. Amen.